Hey everybody, DL here. I hope you're all okay. I'm going to make this quick and I'm going to let everybody know right off the top that if you don't want to hear anything about current American horrific topics, skip ahead, uh, go to the intro, couple minutes should do you. I'm not going to get into specifics. I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to talk about how one side of politics or the other side of politics is wrong. But I have to say, so I can't not say anything. This podcast is small. We are up to about 4,000 listeners an episode. That said, we have a lot of listeners in the San Antonio area. We have a lot of listeners in the Buffalo area. We in a, we have a lot of, I, sorry, I don't know about the spread in New York, but we have a ton of listeners in New York. It is our number one, that in DC, which equally relevant. Chicago, Detroit, LA, my backyard, Portland, Seattle. Who, sorry, very, very unlike me. Look, nobody cares about my opinion. Nobody cares about anybody's opinion. Anybody's mind that was going to be changed about any one thing or another, anything that was going to be done would have been done right after Sandy Hook. And nothing was done. But that's how I feel about it. That's my jaded, crappy outlook. And it's not a lot of other people's. And those are the people that we need to hear from right now. This is just me saying that to you listeners, if any of you have been affected by any of the fucking 900 mass shootings that have happened since Sandy Hook, this is me saying that you have a venue. If you want to come on here and you want to say your piece to a very small crowd, you have somebody who is going to listen. If you want to just DM me and just talk, do it. But if you want to come on, if you want to say your piece, please do. To you other listeners, this is a music podcast. 99.9% .9 it's going to be a music podcast. And to you people in other countries, I very much apologize for this. But we, America has this pretty bad epidemic of children being murdered. And it ain't getting better. And the only other thing that I would say to everybody else out there, to all you people posting on Facebook about how bad guns are, to all you people posting, I'll say it like this. My grandpa told me something once that stuck with me forever. It's one of the greatest things I think anybody has ever told me. He is a very grumpy old man that complains about everything. But you know what? He backs it up. What he told me was that you're American. You have the right to free speech. You can complain about anything you want, but you need to back it up. For every complaint, you need a call to action. For every post that you post, you better call a legislator, okay? I'm not sure how many people in America know this, but you know there are laws that legislators, not only A, their team has to listen to every single email, read every single email, listen to every single voicemail that comes to them, but they have to answer a specific percentage of them. I will tell you that I personally, because I knew I was going to do this today, I called Representative Larry Hoffs of the 18th District, which is my district today. I called and left a message, and I will keep doing that in hopes that someday he or his team is going to have to call me back, and he's going to have to hear my piece. That's all I want to say. I'm not going to give my piece. Nobody cares about my piece. We all have different opinions about what's going on in this country. I care about you listeners. I honestly do, and hopefully the people that listen to this will too.
everybody that's written, everybody that's sent messages, all the listeners I've ever heard from are just the greatest people. That's all, everybody. I apologize. I'm not, I'm not an, anybody that listens to this podcast knows I'm not an eloquent person, but that's all I got. And uh, we can move on to System of a Down. Take three. It's like we just started doing this. Coming up on verse, chorus, verse. A lesser known producer was quoted, they clearly didn't fit, but they were so good that they transcended not fitting. Mm-hmm. That's next. Welcome to episode 69. Insert Sven giggling of verse, chorus, verse. This is going to be a fun episode. I am DL and I am here with Evil. Why do they always send the poor Jimmy <laughs> Evil? How are you tonight? I am doing great. Very excited. I am too. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little nervous that I prepared a ton and I feel woefully out of my element, even to this, like right now, starting. This year, uh, I tried to learn my lesson and keep it to six pages of notes maximum. I have 12 pages of notes. Oh my tonight. God. <laughs> I don't want to, we, we can't, we can't just jump right in. We got right. a little, <laughs> yeah, we're men. We want to get it over with foreplay is bullshit, but still. How have you been? Doing good. Yeah. It's been an interesting spring. How's your cough? It's still there. It's lingering. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just forever? Yeah, I guess so. I guess I just have a, a lingering cough now. You and your household are big outdoorsy ears. Yes. When do you start your camping outdoorsiness? Uh, Memorial Day. Is your woman like a super planner? Knows exactly <laughs> uh, where she wants to go every weekend? Yes or? and no. She is very organized and also mercurial, if you will. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, you know, we have some stuff planned out way ahead of time, but then there'll be like a Thursday night where she's like, I took tomorrow off. Let's go to the hills. And so we'll we'll do that. She grew up in. Oh, she did? Yeah. So Uh... she spent a ton of time outdoors around the lake and the woods. She's very, very outdoorsy. I feel like we shouldn't be talking about on a podcast because I really don't want to be it's terrible it's it's an awful place yeah it's a shithole <laughs> fires everywhere bunch of racists <laughs> yeah I'll tell you this if you're racist there's a ton of black people there a ton and <laughs> if you're black there is a ton of racist people there <laughs> yeah my family we haven't because last year COVID and this year is a, a wedding instead but my family does a family reunion for a week up in every year in July oh nice it does not get any better than that it really doesn't nope can't believe she grew up in <laughs> right yeah Her mom worked at Shore Lodge, I think. Wild story, her dad grew up in Texas. He worked on oil rigs, so he he could live anywhere because he would like travel to oil rigs. Okay. When she was really young, she spent several years in England. She actually had a a slight English accent until like age five. And then they moved back to Texas. Yeah, I know, right? And uh, her parents were like, we can live anywhere. And so they literally, they threw a dart at a map and it hit Mountain Home. No way. And this is like way pre-internet. So they just drove to Mountain Home, sight unseen. And they're looking around. They're like, hmm. this Air Force. mm, Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they talked to some people and they're like, you might be looking for something more like 
drive up there and check it out. And yeah. So that's, where that's awesome. Landed and, that's really yep, cool. And she, from about five on, she grew up there. She will probably like this. My goal is for us to make enough money to justify keeping this podcast going. I would really like to do our finale every year. Oh, dude, that would be right. Amazing. Rent a condo three day weekend yes. for the finale. Oh, what we are doing tonight. We are doing a band dissection. The last band we did was Amy Winehouse. Rachel and I did Amy Winehouse, which was, it was a lot more substance abusey and fuck the media. That's basically what that episode was about. It was about yeah. media just ruining somebody's life. And uh, this time we've gone heavier. We've got evil. We've got me. We both like some heavy things. And tonight we are doing System of a Down. I am definitely more excited about this than I have been about any other band dissection. And this is why. Evil and I have been talking about music for fucking ever. Yeah. I can't remember ever talking to you about System of a Down. Nope. We have very purposely kept it mum. I have no clue what your feelings are on this band up until this point. No clue <laughs> whatsoever. System of a Down is one of those bands where there are a lot of metalheads that fucking hate these guys. They don't think these guys belong. They should not be called heavy metal. Maybe they shouldn't. Without trying to spoil it too much, how much fun or not fun was it studying for this episode? It was nerve wracking in a lot of ways. That's interesting. I guess I would say that I rediscovered how much I like this band. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And part of that might be because they've literally been on hiatus for over a decade. I mean, they've released a couple of yeah. tracks and, and they've toured and stuff, but their last full length album was a spell ago. It's been a minute. Like and 15 years yeah, ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're sort of like, when they were like on top of the world, was at a time where my musical tastes were changing dramatically. And so... Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so I don't want to get into each album too much, but there was one album specifically that I thought, okay, this is the one that I'm going to know and it'll be like my number one and stuff. And then as I listened more, I'm like, oh my God, I know this band's catalog way better than I thought I did. And yeah. I, I'm just talking it up to it being that weird period where I was really diving into more extreme metal and getting away from the more commercially successful stuff. Okay. I know most of this music very well. I mean, if you were any sort of rock fan, you couldn't get away from it. Right. For, there was a five-year period where... Oh, yeah. You weren't going to get away from it. I chose System of a Down. I wanted something heavy. I'd been listening to a lot of older stuff and kind of hipster rock stuff. And one day I was just sitting there, a System song came on, and that's one of those bands. I'll go through a stint with them where when I hear one song, it's like, oh, shit, I need to hear this song and this song and this song and this song. <laughs> yeah. And as we will start to unfold here, they are fascinating oh my god they are a i mean <laughs> a, as people and their story and just them as a band like system of a down or not they are not the norm no they did something very different yes. you can not like it but you can't not respect it in my opinion before we get deep into system we got to talk about the most important part of the night what are we drinking tonight I'm going to start because I'm a little bit, not boring, but it's, I feel like I've drank this a lot on this podcast. I've actually, I've got a beer here that I haven't finished yet, but I'm actually just drinking whiskey sour. You know, it was one of those things where I kept, should I drink this? Should I get this? Should I go do this? Maybe I should. And you always end up just being like, no, nah, <laughs> no, nah, I'm going with my Go-it like standard tried and yeah. true. 
Now exactly. we're getting to the point in episode count to where being novel and coming up with fancy new cocktails to make is <laughs> becoming a little more trying. I think that's going to happen more yeah. and more. I'm going to be drinking a lot of Buffalo Trace in future episodes, I'm pretty sure. Which that's what's in my whiskey sour is Buffalo Trace. There's only so many cocktails until you start making things that just aren't. Right. The Amy Winehouse episode... I did her favorite drink, which I'm forgetting the name off the top of my head, but my God, evil. <laughs> it's Southern Comfort banana liqueur Ugh. already, right? <laughs> Bailey's vodka. Bailey's. What? It was an alcoholic's dream is what it was. Yikes. Um, it was bad. Uh, yeah. What about you? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a, a Rob Roy, but I'm drinking a top shelf Ooh. Rob Roy. Do you know what a Rob Roy I is? I do. It's a churched it's a up Manhattan, Manhattan with scotch. Yeah. Yeah. My lady got me a bottle of Macallan 12 a few days ago. You should probably marry her. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I know. (laughs) I got to get on that. Usually I make like a blended malt or something a little, not terrible, but not like high end, but there's Macallan in this one and it's, it does not suck. What type of uh, vermouth did you use? Uh, The, uh, Antica. Um, Yep. Yep. Carpano Antica. I mean, that's what I have. That's really as churched up as you can get. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit jealous. I mean, I've got a whiskey sour, so I'm good, but I'm kind of jealous of that drink. (laughs) I wanted to mix some culture here because it'd be a little weird in doing it. fitting. That seemed, (laughs) seemed appropriate. We need to take a break and get into it because there's just, there is a lot to cover with this band. So we're going to take a break. We're going to let Jimmy cough for a little bit. We'll be right back. Evil, I've already got a game. Ooh. Okay. Fun. There are one, two, three, four, five, five other artists or bands besides System of a Down that have had two different albums hit number one in the same year. Ooh. Can you name any of them? Is this rock bands or just in general? Anything. Seriously. There's only five ever besides System of a Down that have done it. Oh, you're kidding me. Mm Mm-mm. Beatles, one of them? No. No. Surprisingly, no. Beatles is not one of them. Number one. I'll tell you, we have talked about both of the albums from one of the bands, two number one albums in one year. Most famous rock band of all time. It's first and second album. Those hit number one? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. As soon as I read them off, you'd be like, oh, yeah, shit. With the exception of maybe DMX. DMX. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yes. So Led Zeppelin, DMX, Peg Zeppelin. Jay-Z, Garth Brooks, and Tupac. Oh, Gar- Garth Bro- what a weird mix. Right? <laughs> and System of a Down. So it's really it's about as weird as you can get. Wow. System of a Down, the band founded in Glendale, California. Their years listed as active are 94 through 2006 and then 2010 to present i'm calling bullshit on that yeah they're well known between i'd say 98 and 2005 that's it there's been a lot of clamoring (laughs) over the last i'd say five years for them to come out with a new album please god come out with a new album from a lot of diehard fans and stuff but and they put out a track or two yeah. Uh, what, yeah. What were the, I don't remember the newer. Names. I don't either. I actually, I liked one of the riffs on one of them. I really dug. 
but the names of the tracks are... I know that one of them was a track that Darren had kind of already in the can for yeah. Scars on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we'll get into the Armenian stuff, but with like the current version of what's going on there, they they felt like they needed to come, do something. Come back and do some stuff. Yep. Band members are Serge. We all know Serge Tankian and Darren. Do you pronounce it Malakian? I think it's Malakian. Malakian. I think I you're right. Think. I think you're right. Shavo Odadjian. And then John Dolman. So Darren is the guitar player slash songwriter. Serge is singer slash songwriter. Shavo is the bass player. And John Dolman is the drummer. One of the keys to a band that's going to be really fucking good that I have found doing this podcast is when you have a band that stays with the same members, it's a good band. Yeah. There was another drummer when they first started, but I don't count that because John was the drummer for the self-titled their first release yeah yeah i don't want to get too much more into it i'm sure we're going to talk a lot about their armenian descent and them growing up in hollywood how those two things completely shape their sound but before we get into that i really i am very excited to hear the evil jimmy's take on system of a down the metal head of the group i want to know his take on system okay I feel like initially, especially with their first album, if they didn't continue on and do what they did after that album, and it's a great album, you could have maybe lumped them in with new metal sound wise. Yeah. Like there's some nods to corn and sonically. Yeah. But there's yeah. they were still doing their own thing. In fact, I think at that point in time, marketing wise, they were kind of being pushed as part of the new metal movement. I don't think that's fair to them because they're so much more. I put them alongside two other bands. And I don't know if heavy metal is the right term. These are just heavy bands or heavy rock bands. Like hard rock isn't right. Three heavy bands that had a ton of commercial success. All three from LA. All three were three pieces with a singer. Rage Against the Machine. Mm -hmm. Tool and System of a Down. Okay. Uh, They're all buddies. Serge and Tom Morello are good friends. Tom Morello went to high school with Danny. <laughs> Adam Jones. Adam, God. No, Jesus. Yeah. I can see him in my head. Anyway. I am glad there's an edit button Jeez. because nobody would respect us at all after that. <laughs> Lots of crossover. Your cough is getting worse. Yeah, I fucking. Are I you know. sure you don't have AIDS? I might. I know. Okay. Good luck. It's the good one, though. Um, <laughs> the good AIDS? Yeah. In terms of like era, those bands were sort of in their peak yeah. when System of a Down was starting to hit their stride. But if you think of those three, they're all power trios. They all have this weird relationship with the singer who eventually became the, the main point of contention with the band. Yeah, They're all extremely original. Yes. Each of those bands sounds like like themselves and no one else sounds like them at all. And no one sounded like them before. Maybe some have kind of tried to mimic, but nothing sounds like them after. Yes. They're part of that LA. It used to be called alternative metal. I don't know. It's just like all heavy music, but it's, it's not alternative. I mean, they're all highly commercially successful bands. You can't call them alternative at that point. Yeah, absolutely. You have talked a lot on this podcast about the molding of radio play and how formulaic it became and how separated into specific genres it had to be. Right. I think 
that a band like this, I don't know why, and I'm doing the same thing right now, but Rage and System always get lumped in together when people are talking about Mm -hmm. bands and they're not alike. They don't sound the same at all. No, they're just alike in that they're different and that they're different. They were just different. Yep. There were some bands like that that forced, I forgot what the name of the big, huge LA radio station, like K-Hog, I think it is. K-Rock. K-Rock. Yeah. The first time that the producer from K-Rock heard System of a Down He's like, no way. This was talking to Rick Rubin at the Viper Room. Yeah. This band will never, ever play on the radio. And the next year, it was their like number one. Like number one. Yeah. Yeah. They were so good that they transcended not fitting into anything. Rage did it. Like you just said, Tool did Mm -hmm. it too. There was this huge movement in L.A., of these people that grew up in LA and fucking hated LA yeah. and saw the grossness of LA and used it to right. build their well, passion to write these incredibly angry songs. Did you watch many interviews or listen to many interviews that I listened to? I listened to uh, <laughs> Rick Rubin being interviewed oh by God. somebody else about system. And then I listened to one interview with Serge okay. about his childhood, which was oh, interesting. One of the best interviews I've had. Yeah. I had never heard Serge Tankian just talk. He's brilliant. He is fucking fascinating. Yes. And I'll let you get to your point, but while I'm thinking about it, because I know that I'll, it'll slip past me. And I think this is just an ignorant American thing. I always thought that he was just purposefully goofy and accentuant. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I heard him talking that I was like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. It's his fucking accent. Right. <laughs> it's his Armenian accent that makes him articulate. And it's not, it's a compliment in that I think that people that learn English as their second language are much more careful with it and they articulate. Yes. And even when he's singing, he wants to articulate and mm-hmm. nobody does that. I watched some of their older interviews of the band being interviewed by like current media at that time. And one of them was hilarious. It was this gal at Fuse. She's like interviewing them and she'd interviewed them before. She asked like, you know, the stupid media questions that people ask bands. Like, what were you thinking when you were at And Darren's just like, fellatio. And she's like, okay. And she asked another question. He's like, fellatio prostitutes and Serge is like cracking up and the rest of the band are kind of chuckling and she's like god she's getting visibly frustrated with them she's like you guys did this to me last time you interviewed I interviewed you ah and your fans want to know they're like no our fans want to hear us say want to articulate what we want to articulate they're our fans because of who we are we're not going to answer the questions the way you want us to answer them and they're just completely fucking with her the whole that. time. I love that. I love that. It reminded me of how Rage dealt with the media yeah. and how Tool dealt with them. Like, you couldn't find a picture of Tool for years. Yeah. It just didn't exist. Tool was a whole now it's everywhere. different media beast. Yeah. Right. These guys were doing that in like the early 2000s. Like, Tool was able to get away with being mysterious and stuff just because there wasn't a, a way for information yeah, to get yeah. out about them. There, yeah. We there, talked about that when we were talking but, about the gorillas that it was back in the day where yeah. you could be mysterious. Yep, there was mystique. You could kind of cultivate that as yeah. an artist. These guys, it was hilarious watching them just like a cat playing with a ball of yarn. <laughs> they were fucking with her and, and their playfulness ability to inject humor into 
not just their music, but just their approach to everything. We want our audience to interpret it for themselves. I love that they're, they're artists, they're authentic artists for sure. They absolutely are. So Darren was a heavy metal fan, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Whoa, big shocker growing up. Slayer But fan. he also, yeah, but he also later on, he became a massive Beatles fan. Mm-hmm. He didn't get into the Beatles until he was in an older age. And you know, John and even Paul was were pretty famous for all, all they would get asked is, what are your songs about? What are your songs about? Right. And every single time they'd say something different. They just fuck with people mm-hmm. because they don't, they did the same exact thing. And you know, what's funny is I, at a very young age, started really, really getting into lyrics and, and God, all I wanted, like, if I could just sit down with fucking Chris Cornell and ask him like, what with like spoon man, what are you talking? And <laughs> it wasn't, it was system of a down was the first band that I started to, I heard about what one or two songs are actually about. I had built it in my head as, oh my God, they're saying this and they're doing this and they're saying this. And then I found out what the song was actually about. And I was like, oh, I don't want to know this. Oh my God. I thought there was so much more poignant meaning behind this song No, and it's fucking bullshit. Well, and (laughs) like uh, in one of the interviews they were talking about, I think it was Serge specifically mentioned rage. He's like, you know, Rage Against the Machine is always Rage Against the Machine. That works for them. But if you're playing heavier music, you don't have to always be on that frequency. Even like The Clash yeah. had love songs and had like, should I stay or should I go? Yeah. Like that's like these whimsical kind of fun, yeah. lightheartedness. It's okay to do that. As an artist, I really think that they are authentic, true artists. I think that's part of what makes them great and part of what makes them not be able to work together anymore. Heaviness, eccentricities, potty humor, yeah. all of it. It's just, it's all there. And I can attribute some of that maybe to, they have a very different life experience than us. Right. Culturally, their history. We can get into yeah, that let's now. dive into that. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's fascinating. It is. So all of System of a Down are Armenian-American Serge was born in Lebanon. He lived there until 1975. And then when the Lebanese Civil War started, his parents migrated to Hollywood and lived there. The only one that was born in America was Darren, the guitar player slash writer. But he's Armenian descent. His parents are Armenian. Mm -hmm. The drummer is from Armenia. Mm -hmm. And then bass player is from Armenian SSR, which was in the Soviet Union. Right. Which was this, my God, evil eye rabbit hold (laughs) for three days straight. Can I tell you what's a little bit complex? Fucking Middle Eastern politics. Oh my God. If you even start to research, we'll get into it, but... In order to really understand this band, you have to start researching Armenian genocide. Yeah. And in order to understand Armenian genocide, you have to understand Turkey and you have to understand yeah, like what a the, Shiite is and what a fucking Muslim is. Right. And like geopolitics dating back like a thousand years yeah. influence this band and their life experience. Honestly. Yeah. That's not an exaggeration. No, it really isn't. Serge Tankian is incredibly pissed off about Armenian genocide, which happened in fucking the, in 1912, you know, like over World War One era. And that's very justifiable. I'm not at all saying he shouldn't be. I'm just saying that it's it's very unique to have somebody that is so in tune with his heritage. Just for frame of reference, 
The Armenian people are an ethnically an Orthodox Christian culture, mm-hmm. kind of wedged in the middle of all of these countries who are primarily Muslim. Muslim. You would need a history degree to really explain the geopolitics of that area the well. But Empire they, they, and yeah, the- they're they are not treated well by everyone that surrounds them. Yeah. What wound up happening in the uh, Armenian genocide was basically half of the population, like one million out of a little over two million Armenians, were killed. Yeah. In a very short period of time. By the like the ruling the, class like, of Turkey. The ruling class of yeah of what would become Turkey. Yeah, and Turkey was going through a ton of upheaval. Like they were going from kind of a monarchy situation to a constitutional republic situation. But regardless of what was going on there, there's a group called the Young Turks mm-hmm. who kind of took over. Regardless of any of that stuff, this group of people, the Armenians, were savaged. There were things called death marches. So they took all of the women and the children, and they basically forced them to change their religion and marry into other families. Yeah. And then the healthy men were literally just marched out into the desert until they starved. To die. Yeah. Yeah. Really fucking terrible shit. And and what makes it even worse, and what Serge is really singing about a lot, I feel, is... The fact that to this day, Turkish politics denies that. Yes. It's like Holocaust deniers, but it's their fucking government right. that's doing yeah. it. Yeah, it's like state-sponsored denial of, of this. They feel like what transpired was acceptable or they have a very different viewpoint. I'll just put it that way. A million people dying in any way, shape or form is a pretty big fucking deal for that group of people. Our current president is the first president in the United States to actually acknowledge that the Armenian genocide is a thing. And that has to do with, you know, political relationships with Turkey and trying to maintain some semblance of... Right. Yeah. It's all weird geopolitical maneuvering. I'm not an idiot, but I definitely don't feel that I'm at all smart with any of this. So we're not... I apologize that we're probably not doing it justice, but it's not... This is a fucking music podcast. It's not a history podcast. (laughs) The point is, is that like this these atrocities influenced this band via their families yeah. just like a generation or two before these guys in their families went through that so it's part of their personal histories well Serge Tankian was in Lebanon right. until 75 right. he was there for the beginning of the Lebanese civil war which was essentially it was Muslims against Christians yeah. Whoop, big shocker he was there one of the things he talked about in his childhood was there is something about if you've ever lived as a child somewhere where at night you hear bombs drop <laughs> right you are a different person if yes. you if you've lived through that you are just a different person fast forward and i actually think we need to go back but first i'm going to fast forward to the fact that people forget now toxicity which is one of the most famous metal albums of all time came out a week before 9-11? Yeah, right. What was the like number one album when 9-11 happened? It was fucking Toxicity mm-hmm. by System of a Down, which there's a lot of anti-war shit in it. Right. Well, and this was also a time where I don't know if people remember that well, but Bush Jr. was not that popular. Like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> now he's kind of cool because he's chilled the fuck out. He's painting and mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> but back then people did not. It was the level of Trump. People fucking hated. Yeah, right. It was crazy. He was talking about they were getting death threats and booed yeah. at concerts because they were fucking Armenian, yeah, which has nothing to do with. Well, and, and there's a track on Toxicity called Jet Pilot. 
some idiots who were like, ah, this band is what they're brown people. These people are, they're, they're part of the problem. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, folks, you need to educate yourselves a little bit because these guys are against everything yeah. about that event. Long rabbit hole. I'm telling you, <laughs> this band is just the rabbit hole of all the, rabbit the, holes. The man. whole point that I was getting at that launched down into this is that in their music, you have all of these different aspects. They're the heaviness, the, the weirdness, the, the incorporation of Armenian culture and Armenian music and just the yeah. weird court jester silliness that they put in there. You don't see that from a lot of bands. And I think culturally, if you live through or come from a history of, of people who who have learned to live through atrocities and things like that, you tend to not take life for granted and you know how precious it is. You can inject gallows humor into art. I don't think another band could do what they do. And a band with a different personal history could do what they do just because they don't have the frame of reference. Hell no. I think it's sheer dumb luck too. They all felt this incredibly tight bond because they were Armenian American mm -hmm. and they grew up, they all grew up in the same fucking environment. Could you imagine going from Lebanon to LA? To fucking Hollywood? <laughs> right. Not even LA. Yeah, Holly Hollywood. Hollywood. Surge to go to his Armenian school, walked down fucking Hollywood Boulevard to go to school. Prostitutes, crack. Yeah. Once you start thinking about that, all of their songs make so, so much, much sense. sense now. There, <laughs> right. there is a like, not stylistically at all, but there is a piece of like the 80s hairband DNA woven into these guys. People listening are probably like, what? You're, you're crazy. But if you actually take a little magnifying glass a little bit and you'll see it, it's there. They're very tongue-in-cheek. They They're have, very... Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're theatrical. Yes. You know, Serge has very got his specific styles that he does yeah. when he's dancing and his gestures. Mm -hmm. Darren, the lead guitar player, is always doing the, uh, look at me, I'm the creepy guitarist. Yeah. They know what they're doing. They do it they're very well. Very self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also like that they don't... You know, they lasted a long time. There was a lot of... Well, they didn't last a long time, but for such strong personalities, you know, their drummer is actually a pretty, I don't want to say conservative, but their drummer does not have a lot of the same political views no. that, that Serge and Darren do. No, no. And he's pretty outspoken about it. Yeah. That's awesome that they lasted that long as a band. Right. That's one of the many reasons why their music is so fucking oh, yeah. good. There was an interview with Serge that I, that I watched. The interviewer alluded to previous interviews specifically with Darren saying that Darren says that Serge is the reason why they haven't done a new album. Yeah. He made the point that he's, he's like, look, I like to play music with these guys. They're my friends. That friendship with them has always meant more than the band or the music. It always has. Man, I was like, that's that's, that's like great. beyond authentic. He was not denying that at all. He was basically like, yeah, I'm, I kind of want to do things my way. He didn't come out and say it, but he basically said it. That was the subtext of the point he was making. But the greater point was like, he has a bond with those guys beyond the music industry, beyond system of a down, beyond any of that. Yes, they argue on social media and they go back and forth, but they are the best of friends at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that is part of what made them incredibly successful. There's a freedom there. There's yes. a freedom there that yeah. this band is not everything to us. One of the reasons why this band is so important to me 
is that this was basically my soundtrack for the military. I went in in the year 2000 at 18 years old. I was on a carrier on the way home when 9-11 happened and we turned around and went back. And then Mm. I was in, I was in until 2005. System of a Down was massive. They were one of the only bands that was very, very specifically, obviously singing Mm. about hey, what the fuck are we doing in the Middle East? And this wasn't back in the day. There wasn't Twitter. There wasn't fucking Instagram. There wasn't hashtag what's going on. And in the military, you don't really, you can't really talk about it. But I will tell you that speaking for myself and many of the people that I hung around in the military, we didn't understand what the fuck we were doing. Mm -hmm. And the military isn't mindless people. And you are watching and assisting jets take off and come back without bombs and there is this thing in the back of your head of who did we just help kill right yeah system of a down was the outlet system of a down was the a lot of us listen to system of a down i'll just say i'll say it like that you and me will all go down in history with a sad statue of liberty and, and a, a generation, generation that, that didn't, didn't agree. agree. That's what's awesome about System of a Down is the next song will be like fucking terracotta pie. <laughs> <laughs> they will have lyrics oh like 4,000 hungry children leave us per hour from starvation while billions are spent on bombs creating death showers. I fucking love System of a Down. I really do. I just do. They got their name from a Darren Malakian poem, Victims of a Down. This is a cool little fact that you will like evil. Darren wanted to change their name to System of a Down so that they will be shelved closer to Slayer. I know. That's so amazing. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? (laughs) (laughs) I want to get into specifics, but one of the things, Rage pulled off very well being able to preach. Rage preached. And nine out of ten times, I and probably most of people are going to fucking hate that. Mm -hmm. But Rage Against the Machine was able to do it. System was really good at having these strong political social messages and you did not feel preached to at all no it was more like commentary yeah it wasn't like you were being told how to fill by some rich fucking douchebag musician that was you know (laughs) like like and and i'm not saying douchebag but uh, sven and i talked about rhythm nation where the Mm -hmm. it's you know it's like hey let's all get together and and help the world and You know, musicians have been doing that forever and it's fucking bullshit. You can't sing a song like, hey, let's all, it doesn't work like that. And it usually makes me mad, but I love, I love the way the system does it. (laughs) It's their perspective. I think they have a very different point of view going back to their personal history. Yeah. They just see the world differently. They're commentating on things. They're not saying "You, you need to be this way. They're just pointing at stuff being like, look at this. They might be expressing how they feel about it, but they're just like, Look at how fucked up this is. That's good. Yeah. All right. Let's get into a few things. When would you say you became a fan, if you're a fan or big fan or whatever, of System of a Down? Their first album. I Oh, really? I was very into increasingly heavier and heavier music. That came out in 98. That's the year I graduated college. I was into Korn. I was into Metallica and Megadeth. And mm-hmm. I was always looking for new stuff. Like, what's new? I need to find new music. 
Gotcha. And they were one of those bands that I remember a buddy of mine from high school was like, hey, have you listened to this band? And I'm like, no, check out Spiders. And I like listened to the song. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this nonsense? You know? And I'm like, this is cool. It's bizarre, but it's super cool. And I wasn't like a super fan, but I remember it it's was... It's like when uh, Rick Rubin took Tom Morello to the Viper Room to listen to System <laughs> of a Down, and Tom Morello yes. said to Rick Rubin, this is insane people music. <laughs> <laughs> like Rick Rubin, he said the first time he saw him, he he's like, I, I have never laughed as hard laughed as I did. Laughed the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's different for a heavy band, someone just to be busting... Busting up watching their set. But he said it was in a good way. He was just, he, right. he was so yes. bewildered. He didn't know what the fuck to do. He just <laughs> laughed the whole time. <laughs> you know, I was a hesitant fan at first. I didn't mm-hmm. hear them until Toxicity, probably like 2001 when Toxicity was starting to be a thing. And I think if I remember correctly, it took me a while. You know what though? When I was a little kid, it took me a while to really like Man in the Box too. So, <laughs> what, you know, what do I know? I remember this specific road in Bremerton, Washington. I was driving down the day, the end of Chop Suey, where he's doing the trust in my self-righteous suicide. <laughs> when that, when I just, when it got to that and it hit me like, oh, okay, this is one of the best fucking endings to a song I've ever heard in my life. Okay, I get it. I've been a really big fan ever since. They are so abrasive in their approach. Yes. It's so disjointed in both the vocal attack and the guitar and the drum and bass. There's this staccato thing that goes on. And then they'll hard shift left turn into like some sweeping melodic line. And then right back into like, you could call them schizophrenic. I think the, the band themselves have talked a ton about how that's a major critique that they've dealt with over the years. They're, they sound schizophrenic. They're like, it's just what we do. Yeah. You know, it's a hard sell the first time you listen to them. Well, and Serge does this thing too, because he took music lessons, but not what he said when he first started singing with a metal band, he had never done it. And so he just started All following right. the guitar. <laughs> yeah and he wouldn't even think yeah. about how hard like he talks about now how chop suey is so goddamn hard to do live <laughs> but all he's doing is just following the guitar right and he didn't even he's just like that's just what i was doing it's kind of what fucking mastodon drummer did he learned drumming by just trying to do exactly what the guitarist did (laughs) and it ends up he ends up being a fucking badass right yeah it's also lyrically jarring because it's like the song this cocaine makes me feel like i'm on this song (laughs) that is an awesome song they're doing these really cool weird augmented piano keys and stuff mm-hmm. and there's something wrong with me there's something wrong with you and and it's fine and then he starts screaming gonorrhea gorgonzola <laughs> and it may and i'm seriously like i don't know if i i feel like i have to dock this song points because he's screaming like i can't just hang out and listen to that obviously very familiar with the band before we did this i didn't realize how familiar i was with them But going back and listening to them, I'm amazed at how, not deaf, deftly, they are able to, out of pure chaos, create (laughs) these incredibly hooky, earwormy things out of the most ridiculous (laughs) shit that you could ever imagine lyrically. Yeah, right? It's so, and they just like beat you over the head with it over and over and over again, almost like pop level song crafting. Evil 
Really? Loudwire <laughs> declared Chop Suey the greatest metal song to come out of the 2000s. The fucking lyrics are, the, the, it's insane. <laughs> it doesn't make any know. sense at all. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. We got to take a break, but when you come back, we're going to get to lyrics and evil. I got, oh I got another game for you. I got a game show. Oh no. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, we'll be right back. We are back. All right. Evil, are you ready? I don't know. I'm scared. It's time to play. What does it mean? <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm DL. Welcome to What Does It Mean? We have <laughs> Evil, a first-time contestant. I'm going to read him off some lyrics, and he's going to tell me what the fuck they are talking about. <laughs> actually, funny enough, I think one of these you actually already told me. Evil. I'm going to read a line from a song, and you're going to tell me what it means. Let's start with toxicity. Looking at life through the eyes of a tire hub. Oh, I want to uh, I want to let everybody know. Um, I have no idea what these mean. <laughs> but I'm really just getting your take on this. Imagine, I guess the world goes round and round. Yeah, I, I think I, you're right, actually. That was the only thing I yeah, could. I yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh my god hypnotize and i actually i love this lyric i love this lyric why don't you ask the kids at tiananmen square was fashion the reason why they were there <laughs> right who's he talking to that's what i want to know because that frames yeah. the meaning of that we all i don't want to say we all sorry that's kind of he's talking about Tiananmen Square incident that had 89, yeah. 89 in China in 89, yeah. where it was a political protest against the Chinese Communist Party by, you know, who does protesting students and teachers. And I'm, I'm butchering this. Sorry, I'm an idiot, but you get the gist. You might not all know it, but you all know the, the fucking photo. photo of the yeah. kid standing in front, front of the tank. tank. Yeah. Was fashion the reason why they were there? Well, and then he, if you look at the next line, they disguise it, hypnotize it, television made you buy it. Who's he trying to make think? Here's my take on lyrics. People are going to make lyrics what they want. Sure. That's not my take on lyrics. Yeah. It's a fucking fact. People are going to take what their experience is and what they want a song to mean, and it's going to mean that. Here's my interpretation. He is poking holes in the quest for stardom and being on TV. Because if you say they disguise it, oh. hypnotize it, television makes you buy it, like you being like American public, I guess you could say, are being cultivated in a way that makes them want to be stars, be on television. Why don't you ask those kids at Tiananmen Square was fashion the reason that they were there? Because it fucking was not. I like that. My thought is more of a casual protest. Mm. Nowadays, it's very, very popular to take a march or go. Mm -hmm. I like this lyric to me. You better be ready to stand in front of a fucking tank. Yeah. This isn't some popular thing that you can hashtag uh, right. someday. All right. Next <laughs> lyric from Chick in Stew. Ball games in the refrigerator, doors closed, lights are out, butter's getting hard. <laughs> <laughs> I have no fucking clue. That's that's the right answer. Evil. I have no clue, but this song is 
one of the examples of the point I was making earlier, how they can get you to sing along with the most obscure bullshit. Yeah. Pepperoni and green peppers, mushrooms, olive chives. Pepperoni and green mushrooms, mushrooms, olive chives. <laughs> that is so stuck in my head. Forever. Yeah. I, I want to sing along to that. And I don't know why. It makes no sense. <laughs> I think the song is about advertising. Maybe. Uh, but that doesn't change having no fucking clue what these lyrics that I just said. The beginning of the song, they can't know what that... That's nothing, right? That's goddamn gobbledygook, well, isn't it? In, in their interview with the Fuse TV host, they kind of alluded to the fact that sometimes there is no meaning to what they're writing. They're just fucking with us. All right. Next song. Lyric from I-A-I-A-Yo-Yo. Oh, God. Mind illusions acquainted. Bubbles erotica. <laughs> plutonium wedding rings. Icicle stretchings. Bicycles. Shoestrings. One flag. Flaggy but one. <laughs> Evil. Tell us exactly what that means. <coughs> oh, my God. I... <laughs> Bubbles erotica. No, it's bubbles erotica. Yeah, I love how he rolls his R's. <laughs> if I were to be either a WWE wrestler or a drag star, a drag queen in the future, <laughs> bubbles erotica would be on the short list of my names for either one of those. Jet pilot. <sighs> Wired were the eyes of a horse on a jet pilot, one that smiled when he flew over the bay. I don't know. Do you think he knows what it means? I don't. Maybe. maybe. I really don't. Okay. I... We got one more, and this is the best one. And Dude. evil, <laughs> if you can find meaning in this. All right, everybody, here we go. This is from Vicinity of Obscenity. Terracotta pie, banana, 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 terracotta, banana, terracotta, terracotta pie, banana, 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 terracotta, banana, terracotta, terracotta pie. This is sexual innuendo, 100%. It is, because later in the song, do we all learn defeat from the whores with bad feet? Beat the meat, treat the feet to the sweet, milky seat. Total sexual innuendo. All right. This is a song about sex. Everybody evil got the last one. And that's the end of our game show. Evil, you win all the points. Good job. How good of musicians are they? And is there an obvious best musician? So you already touched on the drummer, John Dolman. Yeah. To me, what makes John great, because I, I don't think he's especially brilliant, but what makes him great is his uniqueness. You kind of started to touch on this. is, mm -hmm. And it's probably of forced a little bit that, you know, this band is fucking, he's so unique. This band's time signatures, five, eights, five, fours, nine, eight, six, four, three, four, 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 mm -hmm. nine, eight expressed as three, two, 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 four, four. You cannot be a shitty drummer and be in this band. It's not, it's, right. it's not possible for sure. I just think he is incredibly unique. I love that Chop Suey, their most famous song. I love that he heard Serge and Darren doing the guitar and this vocals at the same exact time. And he didn't try to do a fucking four, four beat. He said, okay, I'm going to follow them and I'm going to make these unbelievably uncomfortable silences in between everything. So the whole song, you've got this, mm -hmm. it's totally brilliant. It is. There's tension. It yes. builds tension. They play incredibly complex, rhythmically complex stuff in a way that makes it sound simple. 
that is mastery. The musical palette of most people should like spit this out immediately and be like, I can't, uh, I have not cultivated that taste yet. But they're somehow able to trick you into listening to this crate. That's the same thing they do with getting you to sing, pull the tapeworm out of my ass. Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you know they almost broke up because of that line? <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, they sh- I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> this was it. Uh, Rick Rubin was in his interview I watched. He was talking about how he was in the studio with them. And he was trying to explain how passionate these guys were about their music. And Serge came in and started singing, pull the tapeworm out of my ass. The rest of the band hated it so much because they thought it was this emasculating thing (laughs) to have uh, something being pulled out of your own ass. And they wanted it changed to pull the tapeworm out of your ass. Rick Rubin was like, these guys are going to break up right now because of this one line. How much of these guys' career do they owe to Rick Rubin? Mm, these guys, Slayer. We didn't even say it. Rick Rubin produced yeah. every single yeah. album. We've talked about Rick Rubin before. It's a music podcast. We're going to talk about Rick Rubin <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Here, here's a, an interesting thought experiment. Are these guys as successful with another producer? No. With a more hands-on producer? No. Absolutely not. That's not even... That's There's a no, no way. That's a no-brainer. They need someone just to provide the space like he does and get out of the way and let them. Did you know they were, they were like this close to signing with universal? No. Yeah. They were in the conference room for universal. They were walking out and they were talking about it. And Serge, he started noticing the artists on the wall Mm, and, mm -hmm. and they were all like, it just didn't feel right. Right. Rick Rubin had already, he had gone to their shows fucking Slayer. So Darren was already like, why are we not going with Rick Rubin? Right. So yeah, they exactly. went with Rick Rubin, and I think that is the reason they are the band that they are. Could they have been successful in some way, shape, or form with a different producer? Yeah. Would they have been who they are? No, they wouldn't have. Impossible. I actually do think that there's an obvious best musician, and I think that it's I think it's Darren Malakian. He's mm-hmm. I do too. He's amazing. He also helped produce everything. Yeah. He actually has production credits on everything after Toxicity. I think I also like that they evolved after Toxicity and and even still this album, which we're going to go into it, but they did evolve into having him sing more, which kind of changed changed their sound enough to where it kept it very fresh for the last half of their career. Right. I think he's fucking brilliant. I think he almost came into parody with surge in terms of being lead. it's almost like they had two lead vocalists there towards the end it reminds me of alice in chains in a way yeah towards the end of, of their time yep. with lane staley where cantrell took over well because he it, had to lane was too right. fucked up yeah so yeah. very different yeah. reasons why but similar trajectory it, very yep. similar and they also they lucked out yep. too though because Darren and Serge's voices together work so good with this super nasally theatrical. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking brilliant. <laughs> Live albums, side albums, solo projects. I am. Ugh. I actually There's so much to talk about there that there, I, I literally did not have time to go down all those rabbit holes. There's just, so I'll tell you, it was pretty simple for me. You know, elect the dead is fine. Surge's Surge's mm-hmm. stuff like empty walls. It sounds like more system of a down. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of scars on Broadway. Here's the thing. A Fender Stratocaster on paper 
should not be as good of a guitar as it is. It's greater than the sum of its parts. I feel like System of a Down is also that. That's good. I like that. Darren's solo stuff, you can hear the building blocks of Systems of a Down in, in Scars on Broadway, but it's missing Surge. the flavoring. It, more than Surge. There's more to it that's missing, but the framework and structure's there, but it's just not as interesting. Scars on Broadway opened for somebody at the Knitting Factory in Boise in I think like 2012, and I was there. I had no idea who it was. This kind of sounds like System of a Down, down Light. And he had like, he had like a fedora on and his hair was all fucked up. Yeah. And it kinda, he was a little bit of a pot belly going. I didn't recognize him. And then all I'm like, oh, God, that's no wonder it sounds kind of like them. But it just wasn't as good. It just wasn't the same thing. All right. God damn. We've taken way too long on System of a Down. <laughs> this is close to a fucking two-parter. Not even kidding. Oh, Stay right by your side Cause you and me Fit together naturally We gotta go through each album very quickly We're not gonna spend a bunch of time on it We're gonna give our, our brief thoughts on each album And then uh, we're gonna pick a favorite song on each album And then we're gonna go to some favorites Let's start with their first album, 1998's self-titled System of a Down. Came out mm -hmm. in 98, recorded in Van Nuys, Hollywood, produced by none other than Rick, Rick Rubin. Rubin. And we've already talked about a lot of this. Rick Rubin saw him playing around the Viper Room, all those big, huge L.A. places, and they were getting massive crowds. People were really, really wanting to go see these guys so much so that you know like we talked about people like fucking rick rubin tom right. morello people were seeking these guys out to go see what this was all about i think i'm gonna let you spend most of the time on this this was incredible because it was basically them creating a new genre yeah this album kind of sounds like a more of like a demo to me mm. i think you had a lot more access to this initially when it first came out I think your take is more interesting because you heard this before Toxicity yes. as where yeah. I did not. I think it's a great album. I can see looking back how you could, your comment of it's sort of like demo. They weren't fully fleshed out yet. That for sure happened with Toxicity. Going back to talking about the other two bands that I was kind of lumping them in with, with Rage and with Tool. Ooh. Rage's first album is iconic, but there's a big change in sound and like the maturation of them as a band between that and Evil Empire. And the rest of Rage's catalog was more like Evil Empire than it was their first, their self-titled album. Yeah. With Tool, Opiate and Sober were definitely Tool, but then they, Anima is really where the Tool that we know solidified. I don't think the gap between System of a Down's first self-titled album and toxicity is as big as I could see it's still, like I could see sugar being on toxicity. Yeah. And pluck. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a phenomenal, I think it's their heaviest album. It's also a little new metal-y. Mm -hmm. It's hasn't fully diverged. They haven't become their own thing quite yeah. yet. I love it. I think it's great. It has great tracks. It's dynamic. It's got some of the weirdness, but not, not yeah. that crescendoed towards the end of their the weird factor, which is, I think, part of what makes them great. It was fresh when it came out. Surge's vocals, nobody 
has ever sing like that in heavy music ever. No, <laughs> not on. ever. There's nothing like that at all. And so was Darren. Darren had this weird yeah. nasally yeah. kind of like yep. desperate screamy. This album was not in this list. I have a list of self-titled debut albums by heavier rock bands slash artists that I think are amazing. Okay. Led Zeppelin 1 and 2, Van Halen, Van Halen, Guns N' Roses, Rage Against the Machine, Extreme Extreme is one of my favorites. I'm lumping this in that group of self-titled debut albums that stand out as their own thing, like very heavy guitar-driven rock slash metal music. And it's just a weird category. It's like self-titled. I feel like we. J- debut I feel albums. like we just talked. There about aren't one. very many uh, of them. And also, you're drinking for Van Halen, right? <laughs> I got the Buffalo Trace for Van Halen. Yeah. What's your favorite song on Systems? Self-titled. Pluck and is my favorite song. The last track is my favorite song. I fucking uh, love is, that song. Mine is Sugar. Hearing that track was the first like glimpse of their weird side. I play Russian roulette every day. <laughs> a man's sport. <laughs> Toxicity, 2001. Someday we're going to be talking about this album solo, I'm sure. Yeah. This is going to get its own episode. Yeah, it should. So we're not going to go crazy on this. I mean, it's fucking, it's double platinum in the UK. It's triple platinum in the United States. It's one of the most popular metal albums of the 2000s mm-hmm. for good reason. It was their coming out party. It it debuted in the number one spot on September 4th. That's crazy. I forget how big they were. Yeah. That shocked me looking back, realizing oh, they were so commercially viable. Which how <laughs> i don't I, it's so fucking crazy it's crazy out of my ass. Hey. <laughs> i want to read one thing this is from an article it was called soundwave and it was from an interview with rick rubin the band's songs are notably critical of geopolitical events of recent years malakian told chris reimschneider of the minneapolis star tribune they didn't plan on naming names i don't believe in complaining about george bush he explained That's like getting hurt on a ride at Disneyland and complaining to Mickey Mouse about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Evil, what is your favorite song on Toxicity? Listening to them made me think of so many other bands. Oh. Rage and Tool came up. Alice in Chains came up. Steve Vai's first album, which is fucking bizarre is crazy and it's because he was zappa's guitar player so zappa came up a little bit here talking about humor and music i thought of zappa frequently when i was studying for this yes prison song the first track on this album like listening to that song critically the spoken word portions of that talking about incarceration and stuff it made me think of Queensryche's Empire because there's like some spoken word stuff in there that oh had my some God, civil... Evil. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? Fucking hell, man. Yeah. You're pulling at my heartstrings right now. <sighs> yeah. yeah. So I... God, we got to do Empire. Yeah, I know. We have to do some Queensryche at some point. Uh, um, anyway, oh, I think the best song me. is as fucking weird and bizarre, and we've already talked about it, as it is. I think Chop Suey, it's iconic. It is. That's the one. Aerials is great. Toxicity is great. There's great tracks on this, but I think Chop Suey is the one that stands out. I, I'm going with Needles. I think <sighs> Needles is... The verses are doing that great Middle Eastern, the mm-hmm. cunt, cunt, cunt. 
God, they get into that chorus and he's screaming that low, weird, raspy you. That is the most um, bizarre. Well, no, it's not. It's it is one of their. <laughs> that is one of their seventieth weirdest songs. I don't know how they're a- able to carve pop hooks out of abject chaos. That song is very obviously about addiction. Yes. And yes. That is such a a horrific, but amazing metaphor of of a tapeworm yeah their next album steal this album in 2002 this was the first time that darren was labeled as a producer as well there's a lot of lore behind this album nobody knows for certain the rumor is this is essentially an album of rejected toxicity tracks Mm-hmm. that ended up starting to get circulated around the internet and system was like, well, fuck this. Let's just yeah. release like, an album. There's there were rumblings that they were going to release it later calling it toxicity too. At one point, they're not the finished versions of the songs. And some of the songs are omitted. There was a song called virginity that didn't get released with this. Um, what do you think about this album? What's your take on it? There are 16 songs on this album. That's yeah. too many. Yes. If this is the rejected tracks from Toxicity, then this band <laughs> had the greatest fucking studio stint I've ever heard in my life. Because out of these 16 songs, there are eight songs that I fucking love. Mm-hmm. When I started really researching and I started putting stuff into place on my notes and things like that, still this album was not in the forefront. I started listening to it and towards the end I was, you know, starting to try to put together the list of my favorite songs from system. And a lot of the fucking songs from this album were on it. Oh, wow. I like it. I like this album. Hmm. It seems like you maybe don't. Let me frame it this way. I was talking about the band as being greater than the sum of its parts. I think this Uh album is lesser than the sum of its parts. I think there are great songs in this album but it feels bloated and disjointed as an album. And that for me takes away from the experience. It's like a collection of songs that got released, which is exactly what they claimed it was. I think you just put into words what it is about this album that has me. I watched a, a ton of stuff on people talking about system of a down and this album was consistently placed at the bottom of their lists of their favorites but then they would go through the tracks and they're like why is this at the bottom there shouldn't be 16 songs on a fucking system of a down album what is the Uh, best song on this album to you i picked chicken stew because it's just so stupid (laughs) and i love it it like pulls me in out of the gate and then as an album it doesn't work i think the best song on this is boom Mm. typically i hate fucking spoken word Mm -hmm. in in music serge could do it all day if you wanted i'm cool he's got a different way all day he he totally does let's go to their next album 2005's mesmerize yes recorded in la released in may 2005 which is important because they came out with another album (laughs) right after mesmerize it's 34 minutes long 35 minutes long perfect time for an album get in get it done get it out it's like a navy seal operation you fucking (laughs) blow the shit up that needs to get blown up you get out of there no man left behind and it's done concise this album flows so well from song to song yes rewind when you said that this was what we were going to do and i'm like fuck I don't know if I know the stuff after toxicity that well. 
I knew every single song of this album. Every one? Every single one. Oh, I like that. I was like shocked. I was like, eh, I feel like they peaked with toxicity. I don't know. Interesting. I like this album. It's not their heaviest. No. It's not their weirdest. It's pretty fucking weird. I think it's their catchiest. Yep. It's over with and I'm like, I want more. I don't get bored. I sing along with everything. It's so stupid. This is making me so happy right now because this is exactly how I feel about this album. If there was this massive formulaic problem that somebody in a university was trying to figure out and they were trying to get to the perfect formula of something, to me, this is the album where they reached it. Yeah. This was the yep. album where System of a Down was like, this is what we do best. Have you ever been at like the optometrist getting an eye exam and they're like dialing in yeah. things or like, what's better, <laughs> number one, number two, number one, number two. That's this fucking album. Yeah. It is. We're not going to spend any more time on Mesmerize. I feel like it's going to come up again some point down the up, line. Maybe. Well, I don't know. I think that we probably shouldn't answer what is the best song on mesmerize that is what we refer to in the business as foreshadowing, foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move on to hypnotize came yes. out in believe it or not 2005 yes yeah five months later in november much like steal this album in toxicity they recorded all this at once but legend has it that they were sitting in the studio listening to 30 songs and were completely exhausted. And like, if we come out with this as a double album, nobody's going to listen to it. <laughs> so they separated them by six months. I really wish that I could talk to them and understand how they divvied these because yeah, I, I don't know if it's just happenstance, but where I think everything makes sense in mesmerize and works cohesively I definitely do not feel that way about this album. This album is difficult to listen to. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of good in it. There is. Title track's amazing. It's it's fantastic. And it's I think it's like one of their more popular songs too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. As well as Mesmerize Flows. This one, it doesn't feel as disjointed as Steal This Album does, but it's it's missing something. It's flat. Yeah. Too melancholy. It's too, I, I don't know. And so listening to it after Mesmerize, it makes that yeah. blatantly obvious yeah, it's to me. Not, it's just, it just reads as a B-side to me. Yes. Yeah. One of their most popular songs ended up being Lonely Day. Yeah. You know, that's like yeah. their fifth most popular song on Spotify. Mm -hmm. If there was a least System of a Down song to me of System of a Down, it's Lonely Day. <laughs> It's such a weird, depressing breakup song kind of thing almost. Yeah, this. Hypnotize is such a weird album, Evil. It's so weird. If this is the last album they record, it is kind of a shame that they didn't end with Mesmerize because that would have been going out at an all-time high. I also don't know if I want them to record anything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I... Totally know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, what What do you think the best song is on Hypnotize? I think Hypnotize. I think the title track is the best song on here by a large margin. Uh, so I actually think Kill Rock and Roll is the best song. On oh, okay. It. Um, it reminds me of earlier system. And that, yeah, I, I see that. But I feel like if you took Hypnotize off this collection of songs. Oh, good point. Yeah, it carries the whole album. If you took it away, 
this whole group of songs crumbles. How good is the band name? How good are the song titles? How good are the album oh covers? I don't care about the band name. I mean, I don't know. I it's like prob- the history of it. I like that it came from a poem that Darren wrote and that they altered it for, you know. Slayer purposes? Yeah. Slayer. That's fucking awesome. It's unique system of a down. What does that it's mean? It's true. It makes you think. I don't care about the album art. I like the toxicity album art. I get the, you know, like the Hollywood, whatever, but it's not. Yeah. Like mesmerize, hypnotize, steal the, like steal this album is a cool album art because it's, it's it's clever. I actually my favorite is their self titled the, the hand on the self titled. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my favorite. That's I would agree with that. How timeless is the band's music? We've talked about it endlessly. It's unique. They basically created their yeah. own genre, so it's unbelievably yep. timeless. And then another category we typically do is band member replacements. Was it noticeable? Did it change the band for worse or better? And as I already said, a key of a good band. Right. Same. There, there were, were no, no replacements. replacements. Outside yeah. of the early Jeet Kune Do accident that their first drummer like <laughs> yeah. bowed out yep. for. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see the movie That Thing You Do? Yes. Where the first drummer breaks his arm <laughs> and then they get famous. Right. <laughs> Dude, how shitty. That's just, a, that'd be the worst feeling in the world. All right, everybody. You've bared with us for quite a while. We're getting down to the nitty gritty. We have to rank the albums. Wait, are we doing the songs or the albums first? I think we're doing the songs, which is terrifying because I don't know. This is awesome. the albums I got that lined out in my head. You're not alone. Evil. The songs. Alone. Are you fucking kidding me? I don't. So we have to rank the top five favorite, our favorite, our not favorite. Best, our favorite system of a down songs of all time. I will tell you that. I have been waffling back and forth, Dude. fighting myself up until the last second with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 songs. Yeah. 18. I've never had that problem. I have done Joy Division, <laughs> which is, I think, one of the greatest bands of all time. I have done Foo Fighters. I have done Muse. I've never had this big of a problem with trying to pick a top five. Dude. I think it's because I'm not an obsessive system of a down fan. Yes. So they're, Let's say I listen to Toxicity. I'm like, oh, there are some definite songs that should be on this list for me on this album. And then I listen to Mesmerize and I'm like, uh, maybe all of the songs should be from this album. No. Yeah. 18. I don't know. I'm not kidding. I have 18 songs here that, yeah. I, that could be in my top five. But evil, there is a reason why we have been chosen to have a podcast, and it is because we have to do it. Oh my god! You're allowed to have one honorable mention. Okay. What's your honorable mention? I'm gonna put Pluck as my honorable mention. It's my favorite track off their first album. Good song. There are tremendous tracks on that album, but that is my favorite, and it's going to be my honorable mention. I like it. My honorable mention. You don't care about how I feel. I don't feel there anymore. Atwa off of Toxicity. Ugh. It's dark. It's fucking awesome. It's a great song. Oof. I will go to my number five. Why do they always send the poor? Mm. BYOB, yes. bring your own bomb. I mean, it, as a political, I, it's a brilliant song. And I love how popular it got. Yeah. Right? It's a great song. And that's my number five. I have my top three lined out, but my four, five, six, seven are 
fighting. I'm going to say Sad Statue. That's a great song. That chorus yeah. is, it's so poignant and like topical today. It's like prescient. It like It's predicted. more topical today than it was in 2005. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, I might. I should probably put it higher, but it's going to be number five. For <laughs> well, today. maybe we can talk about Always. it later, okay. <laughs> like in a week. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number four? My number four is chicken stew. You really like pizza? It's so stupid. Yeah. It's so it's stupid. So stupid. <laughs> it had to be on my list. It's one of those that got me singing a chorus, and I'm like, why am I singing this? Why am I? Why yeah. is this in my head? My fourth favorite system of a down song is kill rock and roll oh wow every time i look yeah. in your eyes every darren actually said what he wrote the song about bummed me oh, out really? i did this was one of the <laughs> i didn't want to know because i took it as this whole philosophical they turned heavy metal on their ass and they had become the most popular metal band of the 2000s and i thought it was this big kind of call to people that were hating on them no he ran over a rabbit in the morning <laughs> on his way to work. I'm not laughing <laughs> no, at the poor yeah. rabbit. I'm laughing and at that. It fucked him up. Like as a person, he like oh. went through shit because he killed this little rabbit. And that's what kill rock and roll is about. Oh my God. <laughs> about a goddamn bunny. That's my number four. I'm going to go to my number three. We've talked about it a lot. I actually think it's one of the best heavy songs written in the 2000s and is needles. Ooh. Yes. Pull the tapeworm out of your ass. Hey. What is your number three? My number three is Chop Suey. Yeah, we're rolling suicide. I, I, for as much radio play and MTV time that that song got, it shouldn't have. No. Like, it really shouldn't no. have been as big as it, is, as it was. It is a tribute to how undeniably good this band is, was, is, whatever. My number two, and I waffled on my number one and number two, and when we get to number one, you'll know why, but I had to make it my number one. My number two is BYOB. Yeah. I think it's so it good. is, it might be their best song. Yeah. I, it, it is like the intersection of everything they do perfectly. Like I wouldn't argue that at all. We kind of already gush over how that album is just so well put together. I think this song is indicative of that entire album. My number two is your number three. It's Chop Suey. Oh. Yeah, it's I get that it's maybe overplayed, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah. But um, that culmination towards the end is perfection. You have this beautiful, symphonic, heavy piece of music going on with this guy screaming. Why have you forsaken me? It doesn't it, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't get any more rock than that. Dude. It just doesn't. Yeah, uh, I agree. That's my number two. Now to my number one, not one of the the huge ones but my number one favorite system song is add off of steal this album wow we we fought your wars with all our heart you sent us back in body parts there is no flag that is large enough to hide the shame of a man in cuffs we don't give a fuck about your war this I mean, damn the lyrics in that song. I think that that is one of the most perfect rock songs ever written. I think it's unbelievable. That's my number one system song of all time. Wow. I think the big difference in our number ones is 
you actually served time in the military and I did not. Okay. My cock is much bigger than yours. <laughs> my cock can walk right through the door. Is that that's your favorite system that's song my of all time? Favorite song I of theirs. <laughs> it is Cigarro. so stupid and so fun. And so poignant though. Yes. I think that song is when I realized how tongue-in-cheek they were and how Sunset Strip they were and how unique they were all at the same time. That's such a good choice. Because in one song, they're singing the most ludicrous thing you can yep. possibly sing. But then they're also, the, they're the, the were the regulators who deregulate. Yes. That's intense, serious shit. Yeah. A couple more things to do. We got to rank the albums, Evil. Yes. What is your least favorite or fifth favorite System of a Down album? It's not my number five grouping of songs. It's my number five album. Steal that album. Gotcha. It doesn't function as an album for me. It's a better album than most bands can do. Oh, yeah. But in their catalog, it's it's my number five. When we started researching for this, I thought Steal This Album would be my fifth least favorite Mm -hmm. when i started studying i just like fuck this song is good fuck this song is good fuck this song is good i I don't disagree at all um my fifth favorite is hypnotize i am pretty positive it's your fourth it's not cohesive i do feel like Mm -hmm. it i feel like it's the leftovers of mesmerize and while i do think there's great stuff on it i'm just not it's not my bag Uh, which leads me to my number four and this is where you and i's biggest difference is going to be my number four is their self-titled, Subtitle. their first album. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is because I discovered System with Toxicity. Right. I think I found System, the self-titled, way after Toxicity. Mm-hmm. It's like hearing the We Die Young demo after you hear Dirt. It's <laughs> it's hard. Mm-hmm. What is your fourth favorite? Hypnotize is my fourth. Yeah. If Hypnotize wasn't on it, it would be a clear number five. But gotcha. like I said before, that... It really ties the room together. What's your number three favorite? This is where it got really not just difficult, but confusing for me because I went into researching this with the idea that a certain album was for sure going to be number one. It's the exact opposite in these next two spaces. I could roll a dice any day of the week between my number two and three and come up with different answers. For today, I'm going to say my number three is their self-titled. Gotcha. My number three is still this album. Tons of really, really good fucking stuff on this, but it's definitely not. I think that System of a Down had two, possibly 10 out of 10 albums, Mm. and you can't compete with that, which leads me to my number two, and this was incredibly hard for me because like I just said, There are two System of a Down albums that to me are pretty fucking close to perfect. And while I do think that this album is my favorite System of a Down album, after readdressing, you know, keep in mind, when we decide to cover a band, I'm not listening to them a ton and then being like, okay, now I think we're ready. I'm just System of a Down. We should do that one. I kind of thought this album would be what I would rank as their number one. I think that System's second best album is Mesmerize. Hmm. If we were doing favorites, it would be a little bit different. But Mesmerize, I'm calling their second. That leaves one more for me, and that's Toxicity. I just think there's too much history. 
Rick Rubin had had a few years with them at this point. You listen to the first five tracks of fucking Toxicity. You sit down with a good scotch and just turn on Toxicity, <laughs> which is what I did last night, and it knocked me on my fucking ass. Yeah. That's the thing. I've heard Toxicity 700 times. Right. And last night, Toxicity kicked my ass. <laughs> That's it. What about you? What are your one and twos? I was 99.9% convinced. I just knew. It. I'm like, okay, I know what number one is going to be. I think I know what number two is going to be. The rest, I don't know. And I was very wrong. And it took me a little while to get to that point, partially because we're going to talk about one of these albums very soon. Mm -hmm. I did not want that to influence my choice. And I don't think it did. My number two is Toxicity. Wow. I just knew in my guts that it was going to be number one. I just like, that's clearly number one. Yeah. I think their self-titled is going to be number two. And I don't know about three, four, five. My number one is Mesmerize. And I'm shocked at that. I'm but it is the album of all of them that I want to listen to more than the rest. It flows the best. They were firing on all cylinders with that album. I have never felt so validated in my life. <laughs> Massive spoilers ahead. I don't give a fuck. Our next episode, we're doing a DL's 10 out of 10, and I chose Mesmerize. Yeah. I chose it specifically because I wanted to set a fire under some people's asses that I didn't pick Toxicity. I thought it was going to be a bit of a level of contention. It's so good. Yes. I want you to, in some way, it doesn't have to be a specific way, you have to rate this band. Is it in your Mount Rushmore? Where is it on your mountain? Is it in your top... 50 is it your fifth favorite metal band of all time i'll start i'll let you ponder for a tick i will tell you that this band is very very high probably in my top 30 maybe top 20 bands of all time no rushmore but you know we did muse who i fucking love muse yeah. and actually system is probably pretty close to muse for me wow i will tell you this might shake your feathers evil. I've thought about this a lot. I think they might be my favorite metal band of all time. Whoa. It is a band built for my loves. It is sure. tight drums. It is guitar riffs and it is impeccable harmonies. You touched on it earlier, but there has been all this clamoring for about five, seven years now for system to come back, do another album. Mm. Their five year stint was perfect. Why yep. fuck with it? Exactly. They evolved to where they could. They had Darren start doing a little more vocals. They started to get a little more unique with polka Arabic thing. <laughs> and I don't see where they could grow. I don't want the last Jedi system of the down album. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That is a perfect segue into how I rate slash rank them. I said it in the very beginning. I put them now in the same category as Rage and Tool, which are two bands that to me are non-genre specific, but timeless and all-time greats. Yeah. I'm going to put them in as the big three 90s, 2000s, LA, alternative, whatever, authentic, artistic, heavy bands 
of all time. I don't know what that is, but that's... We're okay with that. That's what I'm I'm sticking Uh, with it. Everyone, that system. I had so much fun (laughs) studying and listening. This has been a a little more difficult of a season in a great way. I am very confident in our content, but man, it's just been fun getting to listen to system for a few weeks. Yeah. They clearly didn't fit, but they were so good that they transcended not fitting. Yeah. Rick Rubin, man. The guy knows how to pick them. Versecourseverse.com at versecourseversepod. Everybody, I hope you had as much fun listening as we did doing this one. I had a fucking blast. With- Join us next week. What do you get? <laughs> you get more system of a down. <laughs> it, it's not just us talking next week, is it? No. We're bringing in <laughs> metal lover Rachel Polio. <laughs> So all this metal love that you've heard over the last two and a half hours or whatever it is. And she's the one that pulls the lyrics out and reads, combs through them for meaning. And she's not a big fan of repetition. In her words from Woodstock 94, this is going to be a fuck show. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Good night and good luck.